0: Among Us is not a game, it happened to me in real life. I just hope I can get the word out about what the game was based on. Even though Among Us is harmless fun, what myself and five other astronauts faced was not. As impossible as it sounds, this is our story. The year was 2016. We were told that we were going to be on the space station for approximately two weeks, no more and no less. Frank was given supplies and asked to stock the pantry for the flight. Angela was in charge of maintenance and engineering. Colleen, the only female of the group, was given the job of medical records, while Hans, myself, and Jonas were in charge of piloting and communications. I had trained my whole life for an opportunity like this. So needless to say, I was more than excited to shoot for the stars. I had never met any of them before that day and didn't really pay much attention to any of them, to be honest. We were all here for different reasons and it didn't concern me so long as we did our jobs the launch and arrival to the station were nothing special. We met with the old crew and started going over the tasks we would have during our mission. Angelo explained the mission. Comet HP-456 is projected to cross the threshold in approximately three days. Our main concern is to document and retrieve as much data as possible from it, as not much is known about it. It is speculated that the comet houses alien life in the form of microbes. Along with investigating the comet, Routine maintenance and adjustments to exterior paneling will be made. Angelo appointed himself as commander, based on his years of seniority and none of us objected. Once the old crew was gone, we began to document all of the supplies that were still on board to make sure they matched with the onboard records. I joined Hans and Frank near the command center to check logs and instruments. It was here that we noticed our first discrepancy. Has anyone accessed the logs yet? Frank asked as he reviewed everything. Not that I'm aware. Why? I asked, glancing over at his screen. The entire database was blank. Is that normal? Frank asked. I honestly didn't know, I said. Hans only shrugged, not being able to speak much English. If their mission was classified, it is. A voice chimed in from the doorway. Aline had been standing there listening to us. I guess we should program the system to do the same for us once we head home, Frank decided, thinking little of it. Later that same day, Jonas and Frank were preparing for the first heavy maintenance pass outside the hull of the station. Use of the suits is going to be limited, so we need to move fast and be efficient, Jonas told me as he activated the exterior cameras. It was my job to watch the two of them as they crossed from the airlock over to the three loose panels. The job wasn't supposed to take over 45 minutes, according to Frank's calculations, and only provided a 13% window of error. Despite the risks, the two men suited up and left the relative safety of the station without any hesitation. Watching them float across the emptiness of space was mesmerizing. I made a mental note to add the cameras to our maintenance list as I activated the comm and instructed the two of them to move east toward the panels. Static was the only reply I got, but it at least confirmed they heard me. Seems like they left this place in a dump, a voice to my right said. Angelo sat down alongside me and let out a sigh before remarking. I guess this is what we get for being the cleanup crew. I was going to make a snappy joke, but then a loud burst of noise from the monitors caught my attention. The screen was glitching in and out of complete blackness as I asked for either Frank or Jonas to respond. There, leak, requesting, airlock, prepare. The reply came in sporadic moments. Get the airlock open, something went wrong, Colleen ordered over the intercom. The screen became completely static after that as we scrambled to assist the two of them back inside. Angela was there first, quickly pressing in the correct sequence and standing back to allow for pressurization. The rest of us watched as Angela went into the next chamber to assist one of the two men inside the station, all of us holding our collective breath as we realized that he was returning alone. All that was left of the other astronaut was the dangling cord that had been used for his oxygen. Once inside, The survivor took off his helmet and revealed himself. It was Frank. Bloody pressure in that pipe nearly finished us both off. Rest in peace, he exclaimed as he showed the marks on the left side of the suit, where the oxygen had burst against it, leaving a melted mess. Let me get a look at you, come on, Colleen suggested. The others assisted Colleen in getting Frank to the central hub of the station. I was focusing on Jonas's oxygen cord and wondering why the break in the cord looked like it had been made by a clean cut. After confirming that Frank had sustained no major injuries, Colleen made the recommendation that we prepare a meal and also have a short service on behalf of Jonas. Although none of us truly knew each other, it seemed like the appropriate thing to do. So Angelo and I prepared a small meal and we convened in the rec room about a half hour later. Even in the midst of the low gravity, Colleen was able to make a short toast to our fallen comrade and commented, This accident just goes to show how diligent we all need to be. None of us are safe from any mistakes we make or from whatever else might be in disrepair aboard this station. We need to watch each other's backs like family. It was a good warning. The rest of us cheered and drank up, using the pressurized room to take off our suits and enjoy the meal. Pot roast and shepherd's pie, a classic that I knew from home, was the food of choice. And Hans wasted no time digging in shouting something excitedly in his own language as he ate. I'll drink to that, Frank said with a chuckle as he tore off a bit of the roast. He was midway into chewing when Colleen grabbed his hand. Then we noticed that Hans was choking. Holy Colleen said as she rounded the room to try and check his airways. Pass me that syringe, she ordered me. I watched as Hans's eyes slowly bulged from his head and his face began to swell. It would be a matter of seconds before he lost all oxygen. I passed her the needle and watched as she held the struggling man down and urged him to remain calm. Using the needle, she slammed the sharp edge into his lung and tried to open a separate pathway to allow air. The rest of us could tell it was too late. She was just delaying the inevitable. Hans's gasps were the only sound in the room, except for Colleen shouting for him to stay alive, but it was just a hollow attempt. Moments later, the room was silent again and all of us were feeling very uncomfortable. The food was poisoned. Frank realized. None of us acknowledged it, but we knew he was right. Someone in his team was trying to kill the others. That evening, I did my best to get some sleep, despite the tension that remained amongst our small crew. It had only been one day into our mission and already two of us were gone. I knew the same panic I felt was likely creeping into the other's hearts. Our mission had a mole. I watched my door as I pretended to sleep, half worried that I would be next, and for good reason, Midway through the night, I heard a noise in the hallway, and I went to investigate. The lights were dim, but I could make out Colleen's distinctive red hair as I followed her slowly toward the rear of the station. Was she off to eliminate one of the remaining crew? It made a certain amount of sense given her experience in medicine, but for what purpose? I kept a small tool in my hand, clutched, as I entered the storage room, prepared for the worst. Instead, I was surprised to find Colleen and Angelo standing there waiting for me. Close the door, Colleen ordered. We huddled near the pantry. I asked, you intended for me to follow you? There's an imposter among us, the doctor said candidly. Angelo nodded grimly, and I knew what they were both thinking. Frank, I whispered. It might have been a coincidence that the accident happened while he was with Jonas, but the poisoning of the food can't be. He is the only one who had access to the pantry, she answered firmly. Two more weeks was a guaranteed death sentence, I realized. What do you propose? I asked. It was obvious that we didn't need to debate the issue. I figured interrogation would allow for Frank to confess, and then we could hold him in the brig for questioning. But our physician had other plans. We need to eliminate him before he hurts the rest of us, he declared. The room fell silent. You mean kill, I realized grimly. Would you rather wind up like Hans or Jonas? She asked. I didn't have an argument for that, so instead we agreed that now was the time to act. I can't properly describe the feeling you get when you realize that you have to kill another person, even if they are your enemy. It made my stomach twist into knots. Honestly, I wasn't sure I would even go through with it, but Colleen insisted we needed to move as one unit to prevent Frank from causing any more harm. We traveled together across the station to his quarters, not a sound among us. Colleen entered first, moving to the left side of Frank's slumbering form as she gestured for Angelo to take out his knife. The man's hands were shaking, I briefly wondered what Frank might be dreaming about. I hoped it was good compared to the violent death he faced. I quickly grabbed a hold of his arms, and Colleen held his legs. Frank only had time to wake up and scream. Angelo held the knife right against his neck. For a split second, I was sure that he wouldn't be able to do it. As the blade crossed the main artery, I expected to see anger or resentment in his eyes, but all I saw was fear. He choked on his own blood as his legs and arms went limp. Once he was confirmed dead by Colleen, we shot his body out of the airlock and took stock of what we had left. We need to see if we can repair these systems so we can contact HQ, she instructed. It wasn't going to be an easy job, but now that the imposter was gone, I thought we would have smooth sailing. In hindsight, I should have never believed that we were safe or that Frank worked alone. Over the next week, I got into a routine and let my guard down. It never occurred to me that Colleen or Angelo might also be a threat. But 10 days into our mission, it became obvious again that something was amiss. Did you turn off the cameras last night? I asked as I checked the systems. They hadn't acted strangely since Frank died. And now all of the sudden, I wasn't able to view the east side of the station. It made me uneasy again. I was asleep, so that's doubtful. Colleen commented as she checked it herself. Damn things need to be overhauled, she muttered. Our assignment that day was the depressurization of the West Wing. I insisted we all travel together. As we started to seal off the first chamber, Angelo sensed my unease and commented on it. Is everything all right? Just keep moving. I insisted as I played through my head the events leading up to Frank's death. Little details of how it occurred flashed across my subconscious. How Colleen had conveniently been in the command center when the cameras had gone out before. How she had known that the food was poison, but Frank had been about to eat it unaware. Why would he do that if he was trying to eliminate the rest of us? When Colleen first approached you about the imposter, did she explain how she knew it was Frank? I asked him as we hurried to the next room. The physician wasn't far behind us. It was now or never. She told me that she noticed that Jonas's oxygen cord had been severed, and that was how she knew. Why? Immediately, I shut the chamber closed on Colleen and muttered, we killed the wrong person. As the doctor arrived at the sealed door, her eyes widened in fear, and she tried to shout to get our attention. Angela looked panicked as I struggled to explain what I knew. She is the only one who seems to be one step ahead of the rest of us, like she knew this whole time what to expect. Can you call that coincidence? I asked. You're being paranoid, he argued. The alarm told me it was less than a minute for the chamber Colleen was in to lose oxygen, and I decided to test that theory by checking the data again. Look here, the logs show that Colleen was the last one to reset the system, How can that be possible unless she is the one trying to sabotage this mission? I asked him. Angelo looked as pale as a ghost as the countdown continued. I waited to see if he would save the physician. It would tell me if he too was involved in this mad scheme. Then to my surprise, Colleen made a last ditch effort to save herself. Self-destruct sequence initiated. T minus three minutes. The overhead system shouted. I peered into the sealed chamber and saw a look of defiance on her face she was going to kill us all. Quickly, I shouted, rushing toward the next ladder to reach the escape pod. This time, Angelo didn't argue with me. We reached the small capsule with less than a minute to spare. What the hell is she thinking? Angelo muttered as I sealed us off. The moment the small station would explode would also mean we would be rocketing towards Earth. I braced for the detonation. Seconds later, we were hurtling towards Earth's atmosphere. I clutched my chest as I felt heat and gravity hit us and looked toward Angelo. He still looked every bit as paranoid as before. You... you killed her, he said. It was either her or the entire mission going to shit. I argued. Lots of good that did, he snapped back as our escape pod shook. I couldn't have possibly known, I argued amid the piercing noise. Angelo shook his head, not convinced by my words. You were there when Jonas went out to fix the hull, and you never ate a big bite of that food when Hans was poisoned. You've been playing us all along, my crewmate snarled. No, you're mistaken. Don't do this," I told him. Moments later, our pod crashed in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. When assistance arrived, I was covered in blood. The last moments of that crash are known only to myself and to a dead man, but I am the one that walked out of there alive. I kept my summary for HQ short and to the point. Our mission was a failure, and the entire thing was classified, and I was relieved of duty. This is how my story ends, with my five other crew members dead and no proof of the experience except my own word. And I was fine to accept that. I was, until I saw the game. It popped up on my feed in 2018, and at first I paid little attention. Then when I saw my son acting out one of the scenes just this last summer, I couldn't help but to notice the similarities. It shook to my very core. Why, you may ask? The answer is simple. Until now, I spoke to no one about the sabotage that I survived aboard that station. So how did they know? I've struggled to come up with a satisfying answer to this. And all I can be certain of is one thing. Whatever happened on board that small station, it isn't over. There is still an imposter somewhere among us. Thanks for listening. If you're tuning in on Apple Podcast, please take a minute to leave a review. Your review directly helps the podcast grow and allows me to continue coming out with the best horror stories on the internet. Thank you so much.